0: I go to him that sent me. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Amen. Your friends, our Lord speaks to his disciples today and he says to them, I go to him that sent me. A little while, uh, you see me not, and then you shall see me. Where is he going? Uh, Where is our Lord going? Well, our Lord is going to that faithless and hopeless place called heaven. Faithless and hopeless place. Why do I call it a faithless and hopeless place? Because in heaven there is no faith and there is no hope. Uh, our Lord actually as a person, as a divine person, uh, never had faith or hope uh, because he saw God always. He never lost the sight of God. He was God. You don't lose the sight of yourself. Uh, and he never had hope in as much as he possessed God. Uh, the only thing St. Thomas says is that our Lord had hope in the, the future church to come and this is why you, you saw me in the last few sermons constantly emphasizing everything in the Old Testament because they all prefigured the reality to come which our Lord looked forward to. In fact, it's why, and if you understand more and more these things, why uh, the modernists are so hateful in the eyes of our Lord because they are destroying everything he looked forward to see. And you see today with your eyes everything that the Holy Ghost over the centuries has uh uh, has put into effect which was the will of our Lord to see the beauty of the liturgy, uh, the beauty of the sacrifice and all these beautiful things you see and have the privilege to witness uh, with your eyes today. Uh, these things our Lord indeed did hope for to see one day. But as regards the reality of heaven and all that it possessed, our Lord already possessed that. He didn't have to hope for that. And that's why we say on the foot of the cross, the only one that had the faith uh, was Our Lady. The rest lost the faith in the divinity of our Lord, but Our Lady kept the faith, and she is the mother of our faith, the mother of faith of the Church. Our Lord (coughs) looks uh, to this place of heaven, and this is what I want to talk to you uh, about today. Uh, Heaven. At the Last Supper, our Lord was eager, eager for two things. One, to eat this Pasch, to give uh, uh, the apostles the blessed sacrament. But he was also eager for another beautiful thing, and that is to lead them to heaven. For there he says to them, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I shall go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you also may be. Our Lord wants to be with his friends. Our Lord longs to be with us and us to be with him in this beautiful place of heaven. In heaven, not only will there not be faith or hope, but in heaven, nor will we practice a number of the virtues which were essential for us to practice here on earth. In heaven, there will be no need to practice, for example, the virtue of, of courage or fortitude. For there, uh, as St. John says in the Apocalypse, mm-hmm. God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes, and death shall be no more. No mourning, no crying, no sorrow shall be any more for the former things are passed away. There's no more fearful obstacles there, no more difficulties there for us to have to overcome. That has been overcome. There will not be uh, the practice there in heaven, there will not be the practice of the virtue of temperance, which moderates our, our, our practice and all that concerns eating, drinking, all that concerns the central things of this life. For, uh, for there the soul will dominate uh, the body. In the kingdom of heaven, says our Lord, for in the resurrection they shall neither marry nor be married, but shall be as the angels of God in heaven. Your spouse in heaven, you'll no longer be married. Some can rejoice at that. Um, But the reality is that the relation will always remain. Uh, The ones that are your spouse here on earth, the ones that are your children here on earth, you will always say, this uh, was uh, my child. Uh, This was my spouse when I was on earth. That relation will remain. But the contract, the bond, uh, is no longer in effect because this was a means. Uh, like then, we can say then, why are they necessary to practice all these virtues uh, if in heaven we're not going to practice them? Well, because they were a necessary means uh, without which we could not be saved. Without which we could not be saved. But also, as the saints point out, they will be much like the five wounds of our Lord. They will be uh, radiant... Uh, beautiful jewels that will uh, uh, be arrayed in our soul in heaven for all eternity uh, as a mark of our distinction of the the victories that uh, we obtained while on earth for the sake of the kingdom of of heaven. Saint uh, Paul says, Now there remains faith, hope and charity, but of these the greatest is charity. In heaven definitely we will be practicing the virtue of charity and other similar virtues, justice, giving all to what belongs to them. But also the most important of these will be also that beautiful virtue of humility, where we recognize, we recognize the great goodness of God, our own nothingness. God has brought us from the the what we say in Latin, the hummus of the earth, the nothingness of the earth, the dirt of the earth, and he has elevated us to sons of God. Uh, we will know our place and we will take our place. And in this sense, the virtue of humility, again, a necessary virtue here on earth, will be also the essential uh, aspect of those that are saved. But what do we mean by heaven, uh, we may ask? Well, The Church explains that by heaven we mean both the place and the condition of complete and perfect beatitude. An essential two things. Place, heaven is a real place, just like earth is a real place. Uh, and it is a condition, a state. Uh, the, the modernists will say admit that it's a, a, a state, but they don't like to admit it's a place. Why? Because they also fear the reality that hell is also a real place. But heaven and hell are both a real place and a real condition. In, the, in hell, they are uh, absolutely in uh, uh, infinite torments. Uh, in heaven, infinite bliss. Uh, both a a place and a condition, a state. Uh, The two realities are essential there. That's why we insist that our Lord rose both in body and soul and that he is in heaven, both body and soul. And again, the dogma of the assumption, our lady is in heaven, both body and soul, not just the soul. There there are bodies in in both places, in hell and in heaven. Um, Some will wait for the resurrection uh, of the dead to receive their body and soul united. Uh, but some have anticipated that already, our uh, Lady, our Lord, and we can probably add a number of other saints like St. Saint Joseph, but these are not uh, dogmas of our faith. But what is a dogma of our faith is that our Lord and Our Lady are both there in in body and soul. But what is this precise teaching of the Church then regarding this place of heaven? Well, Pope Benedict the Twelfth of Happy Memory explained regarding this uh, reality. He says that the souls of the saints are in heaven before the resurrection of the body and the general judgment. They see the divine essence by a vision which is intuitive and facial, without the intermediation of any creature in that view. By this vision, they enjoy the divine essence, they are truly blessed, and they have eternal life and repose. What does, what does all that mean? Well. I'm going to explain. Uh, he says by a vision, they see God by a vision which is intuitive and facial without any intermediation of any creature. Well, at this point, St. Paul explains to us. He says to us that we we see now through a glass in a dark manner, but then face to face. Now I know in part, that is we know God really by faith, and we don't by faith give us a clear vision, somewhat um, uh, very hard for us to grasp. But then I shall know, even as I am known. We have this infused knowledge where we see God directly. Uh, here when we know things, we, we are actually using the five senses. We are learning through our eyes what we see, our ears what we hear, our, our, our taste buds, what we taste, our hands what we, and feet, what we t- touch. All, all the five senses are, are, are helping us to know things. There, we won't use the five senses to know. There, the knowledge will be infused immediately into our mind and we will know it directly. Much like Adam and Eve, when, when they were first created, were created as adults, and yet they knew how to cook, to make things, to build things, to do things, uh, without having been taught. How is it that was the case? Well, God infused that knowledge into them immediately. In fact, angels they don't have a body, so how do they communicate? They communicate, says St. Thomas, by infused knowledge. They share the knowledge directly one to the other without using the five senses. And that's how, how the saints before uh, they received the, um, the, the body uh, know things. They know things directly. So, for example, how does Our Lady hear all the prayers of all the millions of people uh, throughout the world when they pray to her? She's not God. No, but she knows them. She sees them in God. God communicates that knowledge to her and she responds uh, to God uh, for us and uh, through God. You know, through God, these things are known. And likewise, uh, the saints, how do they know our, our condition here on earth? St. Anthony, for example, when we pray to him, like I do very often when I've lost something, how does he know that I'm communicating with him? I'm asking for his help. Well, God communicates that to him and he kindly responds to that. Uh, through God for us interceding, and this is uh, how they know things. But there are four four main aspects that Saint Augustine says are uh, at the heart of what heaven is, and, and I want to touch on these and, and uh, hopefully encourage you and enlighten your mind as to the beautiful reality that awaits the friends of God. First, Saint Augustine says, "In heaven, videbimus. We shall see. We shall see Him. We shall." Uh, see God. But the reality is, in this life, you know, if you come close to the sun, you you will die, because it's too hot. So in heaven, the same thing. If we come close to God, even on a natural level we'll be annihilated. So God has to give us an extra gift uh, to protect us from being destroyed by the power of his presence. And that the, the church calls the, the light of glory. And often you see in the pictures and the paintings of the saints, they, they have this uh, halo. And this halo, is the simple layman's way of the church teaching us about this reality called the light of glory. This is the light of glory that allows us to be in God's presence without being destroyed by God's presence. The the church fathers give the example of a piece of steel, you know, a piece of steel, you can heat it up. And then after a while, uh, after so much heat being uh, put on this piece of steel, it almost looks like fire. Appears to be like fire, and yet it's distinct. It's not fire. It's a, it's a heated up piece of steel. Uh, and the same thing will be with us. We will not be absorbed into God. We will keep our distinct uh, personalities, characters, uh, but at the same time being glorified by God in order to not only dwell in his presence, but also to see him without being annihilated by him. He gives us this, this uh, extra blessing, help, Uh, which is called this light of glory. We shall see him and we shall uh, be magnified in his presence. But there's a little, uh, you know, for us to try to understand the beauty of heaven There's an example I I try to give to people that I think is such a very helpful example. And that is, you know, in this life we have the, the five senses, the great gifts that God has given us. And in this life, there are so many things on, on every level that we, we can, in this life, magnify the five senses, the beautiful things we see in the, the air, the sky, the sea, uh, the universe, the galaxy, whatever you want. And there are so many things that um, we cannot see with our eyes, but we can see with the help of either glasses or, or binoculars or uh, telescope or magnifying glass. Uh, scientists use these things to see uh, Uh, The the, the deeper details of creatures and sometimes, I remember myself some many years ago now, I was in the depth of the the ocean and uh, I put my head in the ocean and I I thought, you know, I feel a bit robbed as the the beautiful creatures they said were here that they're not there and I put my head back up and I put the goggles on and when I saw what I saw I was so frightened, I ran back to the shore, I was just so much beautiful, uh, amazing animals under the ocean Uh, so beautiful and so frightening at the same time uh, and yet, the reality is that we in this life, we will only see one trillionth of the beautiful things that God has made, whether it's in the, the field of animals, uh, the field of uh, fruits and vegetables, uh, all the beautiful things, chocolate, uh, lollies, ice cream. We have really, we will in this life only see what and taste and hear and smell of all the great things that God has made, one trillionth of that. And this is what God has made, For sinners, for those who despise him, reject him, ignore him, uh, betray him, whatever you want. This is what is made for sinners. Imagine what is made for the saints. That's why St. Paul says, No eye has uh, not seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what things God has prepared for them that love him. We will never be able to comprehend all the amazing things that God has made for his friends. If this is what he's made for his enemies, imagine what he's made for his friends. We, we could never really fathom that. And there are, as I say, I could never, uh, never go into enough detail, and I won't, on the amazing things that are in this world. Even in Australia, if you go up Northern Territory, so many amazing plant life, bird life, animal life, that we don't see this part of Australia. Uh, even in the ocean, uh, it's just breathtaking. imagine then, uh, if we only seeing one trillion of the amazing things and hearing, smell, taste, whatever, imagine the the beauty of the bliss that awaits the friends of God in heaven. And yet, the essential part of heaven is not these things. The essential part of heaven, and this is harder for us to comprehend, it is the direct knowledge of God himself. This is why St. Paul, our Lord says uh, in the New Testament, uh, in St. John's Gospel, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is what separates us from the other false religions. The other false religions, like Islam particularly, have a carnal concept, uh, a party, worldly party concept, in fact, immoral concept, uh, pagan, idolatrous concept of heaven. Uh, it's just all carnal desires. That is not the essential. That's only the S- a- a- Uh, uh, accidental part of heaven. The essential part of it is the bliss of face-to-face beauty of God. If the beautiful things of this world dazzle us, how much more the one who created all that? And and, and St. Thomas points out that anything there is in this life when it comes to beauty, truth, or knowledge, they're only a share in the beauty, uh, truth, and knowledge of God who made them. Anything that is beautiful, true, or good, it only (coughs) participates shares in the and they 're like a speck, a speck of dust, a speck of uh, light, if you want, in comparison to the one who made them, God himself. Uh, the beauty of God itself is is hard that 's why I say it is hard for us uh, to grasp unless we have a very deep uh, prayer life, uh, contemplative life we we 've struggled to grasp this point of our Lord, but this is the heart of it. Uh, there's a very small anecdote, if you want, that will help you understand this point. In the life of uh, St. Don Bosco, after St. Dominic Savio, uh, his little student, had died at the age of 12, uh, he uh, appeared to him one day, and uh, Don Bosco says to him, uh, Dominic, am I in heaven? This beautiful radiance that I am seeing. And Don Bosco, uh, St. Dominic says to him, no, No human eye can look upon the beauty of paradise. But what about this light, he says to him, and the outstanding brilliance? It's more brighter than the light of the sun. He says to him, no, this light that you're seeing, it's not a supernatural light at all. It's a a natural light. It's a natural light fortified and perfected by God's omnipotence. Well then, can I be allowed to see a little supernatural light? No, no, no one can see it until he has come to see God as he is. The faintest ray of that light would instantly strike one dead because the human senses are not sturdy enough to endure it. Then what do you enjoy in paradise, Don Bosco asked. Ah, that defies, says Dominic Xavier, all telling. The happiness of heaven no mortal being can ever know until they die and are reunited to their maker. We will never, never be able to grasp this. It's like trying to um, explain to someone color who was born blind. He, well, doesn't know what sight is. How can you explain to him what color is? Uh, that's why um, our Lord often explains heaven and New Testament like a party. Uh, a party, you know, in a party that the good music, the good food, the, the good company, uh, beautiful things. Uh, and, and often, uh, like you, you see this when it comes to a big party and you see you know, little children particularly, you see them when they come to the table, you can see there's a dilemma on their face. And the dilemma is is they want to, they, it's not that they, they don't want to eat this or that. They want to eat everything and all at once. So they, they're kind of uh, confused. Well, what do I take? Uh, I, I want to eat this, but I can't put it in my my mouth all at once, so I understand the dilemma. Well, in heaven, that dilemma is resolved because we have the eternal bliss and the magnification of body and soul all at once and for all eternity. That's the beauty of this eternal banquet of, of heaven. In heaven, uh, says St. Ludgard, there are seven beautiful liberties that the saints will enjoy. First, the love without suffering, eternal life without death, eternal youth without age, riches without poverty, unfailing health without sickness, unspeakable joy without grief, and everlasting peace. St. Augustine then goes on to say that we shall love him. And in this point, it seems in some way obvious, but the reality is in this life and is that all of our love is often... um, Impure, not in the sense of immoral. It's often not perfect or proper in its pure motives. Often when we do something, uh, there's often a bit of a human element to it. Often in our love with people, there might be sometimes a lot of our self in it instead of it being purely supernatural. In heaven, the sensual the side of our love will be gone and the supernatural side of our, of our love will be perfected. We will love God as he ought to be loved, not for what he gives us, but for who he is. In this life, you know, even even sometimes the best of us, when we pray for something and God doesn't give it, we we get a bit upset with God. We feel that God has changed us because we we love God because we hope to get something from him. Uh, There, that, that defective side of our love will be corrected and we know we know that within ourselves if we are honest often when we love even our spouse our children our neighbor uh it doesn't matter often we we do things for them or towards them often our motives are not are not perfect Uh, and that's because we of our shortcomings Uh, in heaven that will be that will be perfected and in heaven uh, our our intellect will also be perfected. there we will be able to focus on Many things, many memories all at once, many thoughts all at once. In this life, that's very difficult. Uh, we find it very. We often have fogged minds, confused. Uh, when we have to consider so many things, we get stressed, we get anxious, we get worried. Well, that would be gone because their intellect will be also perfected. In order that, uh, why? St. Augustine says, well, there in heaven, we shall praise him. That is, we shall praise, we shall adore, and we shall thank God for all eternity. There we will understand what he has done for us, all the graces in our life that he has given us, all the trials and the wisdom behind those trials that he sent us. And we will be grateful for all the graces that he has given us and what he has prepared for us in leading us to heaven. In this life, we we are often, in fact, probably very few in this world, Uh, who are not grateful all the time. We are often uh, ungrateful to God. Uh, We we moan, we complain, we grumble, uh, we whinge, uh, we we forget so easily what God has given us. In there we will see, we'll understand the value of our life, the purpose of our life. There uh, every grace will come to its understanding. Why did God send me this trial? Uh, Now I understand and now I am eternally grateful for that. Then we will praise him, we will adore him, we will thank him. There, says St. Augustine, a light shines that no place can contain. There praises and songs resound that are unlimited in duration. There are fragrances that the air does not blow away. Tastes that never fade. Goods and sweet joys unaccompanied by any distaste or sorrow. There. God is contemplated continuously, is known without any error of apprehension and praised without weariness. Praised without weariness for all eternity. And, and, and that is not to say that the, the heaven is some sort of eternal mass or something like this, no. But that praise will be like it should be here on earth. In, on earth, every moment of our life should be an eternal praise of God, whether we're cooking, sleeping, running, it should be. But because of our, our human limitations, our weaknesses, uh, the human fallen human nature, we, we struggle to do that. Uh, there in heaven, whatever we are, we'll be doing, whatever we'll be occupied in, uh, we will be praising, adoring, thanking Almighty God. There we will communicate with God, the angels, the saints, our friends. Uh, there the mysteries that we always wondered about will be revealed to us. Uh, whether it be uh, questions of science, whether it be questions of history, all those things that we we wondered about, that were hidden to us, there they'll be known in full daylight to us. There will be many uh, things that we will be able to exercise in heaven. and, And, you know, in heaven we'll see like our Lord when he rose from the dead. He was able to go from one place to another in an instant. There we'll be able to do that. Our Lord was able to walk through walls. Why? Because... The, the soul dominate the body. Uh, we'll be able to do that. Uh, we'll be a- able to uh, uh, penetrate uh, uh, even material things. Uh, so many uh, uh, beautiful qualities that the, the, the resurrected body will have in heaven. There we will no longer be able to suffer endure pain. This will be a thing of the past. There we shall, says St. Augustine, we shall rest in God. This is the eternal Sabbath. The uh, first uh, few words of the Bible tell us that on the Sabbath day, God rested, that is, in in making new things. But uh, he kept us in existence to lead us to the eternal Sabbath. This is why the Sundays prefigure that. The Sundays prefigure the eternal rest we shall one day have in God. This is why St. John says in the uh, book of the uh, Apocalypse, And I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. For from henceforth now says the Spirit that they may rest from their labors, for their works follow them. Their works, their trials, their sufferings, their sacrifices now come to their fruition. What was the purpose of my sufferings, my penances, my mortification? Well, now they come to their fruition and they'll be with you for all eternity. The blessed sacrifices you made there the difficult trips you made. And I know most of you here, you make a a, a very difficult uh, uh, weekly uh, trip, an hour, an hour and a half, some of you, some of you longer. Well, uh, it's not for the sake of coming here, it's for the sake of eternal life. And then it will come to be the reward that uh, week in, week out, you paid the wage, week in, week out. There you cash in <clears throat> uh, that weekly sacrifice, that weekly uh, trial, that weekly... Uh, Uh, offering that you make uh, all the good deeds you've done to honour our Lord, our Lady, the Saints there you'll be able to cash it in but cash it in a trillion fold a trillion fold not a hundred fold but uh, a trillion, trillion fold, we will never comprehend that's why it was, uh, St. Paul says that I reckon that the sufferings of this life are nothing compared to the greatness that awaits us in the kingdom to come all the trials in this life, yeah they are uh, but this life, in general, it is a short life. And if I can say, uh, the more and more you long for heaven, you feel that in some ways in this life we are, we are short-changed. And what I mean by that is, even if, let's say, you're the holiest priest that ever lived, or you're the best layperson, most successful person, um, but all the things in this life, they're, they're kind of a, a bit fake, a bit empty. Uh, it's just, uh, you kind of feel short-changed. And that's because it's we're not made for this life. We're made for the world to come. Uh, and this is why uh, the saints remind us, particularly, that uh, St. Gregory the Great says that earthly goods measured against the bliss above no longer seem an advantage, <clears throat> but rather a burden and a painful tyranny. Temporal life, in comparison with eternal life, deserves <clears throat> not to be called life, but death and death. And the friends of God that realise this, as they get older, they actually start to let go of this world. How much, how much wealth do we need, really? How much houses do we need, really? How much things do we need, really? Well, these things, as good as they may be, actually they are hindrance. Hindrance to our love of God in this world and our union with him. And this is why I think I was explaining to someone recently that St. Alphonsus said that most of those who he thought had a a deathbed conversion, so to speak, he believed that most of them were damned. Not because they didn't make a proper confession, but because they really, he said, didn't believe they were genuinely sorry for their sins. They were only sorry that they had to now let go of the things that they treasured. And, And this is often the case. This is why I think the things of this world uh, they are they are deceptive for us. They can promise us things that they cannot give. The things of this world cannot promise you security. You can be wealthy and you can die tomorrow. Uh, you can have youth and you can die tomorrow. All the things of this world they promise you something that they they cannot deliver. Only uh, one who can deliver is is God, and and this is why only He can satisfy us and what what in many ways and this is why i say it's understandable why in many ways the things of this world they are good but they are deceptive because naturally we want these things we want happiness we want success we want to be assured we don't want the stress of of worrying about tomorrow which is why we want uh security in this world as much as we can really our own, our real security is in our Lord, in God. And, and those worries will only be taken away from us in the next life. Because in this life, it doesn't matter how successful you are, uh, you can lose it all. It uh, doesn't matter how great you are, you can die, you can get sick, you can uh, have a terminal illness. Uh, that's a reality. Uh, and we should make those realities part of our daily assessment of this world. And gives us an honest testament and allows us to put things in their proper perspective. You know, uh, St. John Vianney, in his catechism, he tells a story of, of a, a young girl who died. A young girl died. And <coughs> he says that uh, her mother came to him frantic, uh, to pleading with him to uh, pray for uh, her to come back to life. And the saint did pray. Very reluctantly, he prayed for her to come back to life. And he said to her, go to your daughter, uh, for she is given back to you. Now, knowing uh, uh, if she was hearing correctly, she wasn't sure, but she rushed, uh, he says, to her daughter's chamber. A miracle, her daughter was returned to life. The young girl sat up on the couch with her hands together and her eyes cast down with every uh, sign of perfect health on her face. Her mother thus rushed forward to embrace her child and showered her with hugs and kisses. But the child sat there in perfect silence, with a look of deep sadness about her face. My daughter, she said, don't you recognize me, uh, your mother? It is uh, your mother speaking to you. Her daughter responded, Oh, mother, what have you done? I was about to go to be with God for all eternity, but I saw, I heard. You and uh, I was made to return to earth. This poor girl, he says, remained only a few more years on earth, always alone, thinking of heaven. Her time back on earth was only a sickness, a homesickness for heaven. And this is what should be our spirit. You know, we say in the uh, words when we go to confession, I dread uh, the pains of hell and the loss of heaven. Do we dread the loss of heaven? heaven is should be our our onward our onward goal that was that was the eagerness of the saints and the martyrs this thing this life whatever suffering we have to endure it's worth it it's worth it because and they had this conviction that they were absolutely sure that if they were faithful that they would go to this place of untold bliss and this should be our conviction also of the reality of the kingdom of heaven. And these things of this world are easy to distract us and deceive us, uh, to hinder us from being encouraged. And then, dear friends, just to conclude uh, to you today's words with, again, St. Don Bosco in relation to Dominic Savio. He said to him, in this appearance to him, he asked him for some advice. He said to him, tell me, uh, Dominic, uh, you who who practiced all those virtues that were so pleasing to God in your lifetime, what comforted you the most at the moment of your death? And he answered and said to him, the one thing that consoled me the most at the hour of my death was the assistance of the mighty and the lovely mother of our Savior. So let us ask Our Lady in this month of May to obtain for us the graces of fidelity, of perseverance and of devotion to her, so that we may come one day to that kingdom which has no end forever in heaven. Father, Son, Holy Ghost.